Amen. Let's pray. Lord, may we be about one mission. May we be about one message, God. And that message is your Son, Jesus Christ. And that mission is for your Son, Jesus Christ. And, and Lord, that we would draw and we would be a part of what you are drawing to yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, may we, may we live what we sing, Father, and, uh, and, and be a part of your kingdom work here uh, on this earth and here in this community, Father. God, would you uh, spur us on in that direction, Lord, as we, uh, as we submit to you as Lord, as we submit to you as King, and wherever you lead, we may go, Father. And so let us follow behind you. God, I just, I love you. I love that song. That's, that's incredible. And <coughs> Father, I just ask that you would implant that into our hearts, God. And as we drift sometimes, you would draw us back, Father, and implant that back into our hearts, God. And, uh, uh, Lord, we do pray for this morning, uh, God, that you would uh, <clears throat> that you would uh, focus our hearts on on what's going on today, and and Lord, this is such an important uh, thing that that happens within uh, each each local church is the selecting of the men who will serve you in in the office that you have uh, appointed as deacon. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to get a good grasp of what that looks like from a biblical point of view, and help us to apply it within our own context. And so, so Lord, uh, use this time for your glory. Use this time uh, for for your church and and Wesson Baptist. Church, and Lord, allow us to uh, proceed accordingly, Father. Lord, we do love you. You, uh, Help me, help me to speak your truth, Father, and stand upon the authority of your word, but behind the cross, so that you may receive all of the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please go ahead and open up God's word to Acts chapter 6. You're very, uh, may not be familiar with, but it's it's the, the passage where we first are uh, introduced to deacons in the New Testament. <coughs> uh, and and as, as you're turning there, uh, when we think about deacon, there should be one word that is the overarching word that, that comes to our mind when we think about deacons, right? And that word is serve. That word is to uh, serve. And, and being in the church, we've hopefully seen some great examples of service. I, I, I just think of some. I talked to a woman whose husband became uh, very, very ill and, and hospitalized for months. And so for three months, her church brought meals to her every evening at 5.30, every single day. They brought meals to her for three entire months. In fact, the same woman told me that for the next two years, the church picked up the bill for Christmas, okay? For the kids during Christmas time, the church picked up the tab and got all the toys and got all the stuff uh, because of this situation. I know a man who, uh, who's a mechanic, and, and because he has this certain expertise, once or twice a year, he will, in a very public way, announce, hey, I'm going to go and do free mechanical work all day long. And so he does this, and he offers free mechanical work so that people, he might have an opportunity to minister to people. We've all heard of doctors and, and nurses who have gone to the nations and used their expertise, taken time off and, and given up of their schedule and their money in order that they may serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, I I know a guy who uh, who took off from work. He was in the middle of work, took off work, went and picked up some kids from school and drove them uh, about 100 miles away so that they could go see their grandfather in the hospital. And so what we see is we can see 
uh, service. We can see service in the church. And, and, and I know that, that if you hear these stories, these are encouraging stories. And, and we all have stories like this. We all have stories that we can, we can share. And we have stories kind of, of like this. And this is the way the church is supposed to act. This is the way that the people of God, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, are supposed to be. This, this is us. We are supposed to uh, have a heart of love and hands of service. Well, when we get down to the scriptural offices of the church, you only have two offices. You have the office of pastor, which is referred to in multiple different terms, shepherd, elder, overseer, bishop, all all kinds of different terms. But the pastor is the one that God has placed in authority as leader, guide, and protector of the church. And then you have the other uh, office, and that is deacon. And the deacon is the one that God has placed in in, in a position to be the servant of of the church, or the servant rather, to the church. And so what we're looking at this morning is, is discussing the role of the deacon, first by looking at the calling of the first deacons, and then second by looking at the requirements provided by Scripture for deacons. <coughs> Excuse me. So again, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Scripture says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among, the, uh, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So we start to look at this first calling out of deacons, and you'll understand that here in a second. And the first thing we see about deacons is that a deacon, the role of deacon, is a position of humility. We get here in, in verse 2 that, uh, that the elders of the church are saying it would not be right for us to stop and wait on tables. This, this uh, wait on tables here is one Greek word, uh, which is diakoneo, and it literally means to serve, to minister, or to wait upon. Well, this word is the verb of a, a noun that, uh, that is diakonos, and that... that uh, <clears throat> noun form is to run errands all right and so so we have this diakoneo we have this diakonos and you'll never guess what word we get from that deacon right we get this word we get deacon and so what is a deacon according to scripture it is an errand runner and he is a table waiter and so what does that mean and in our culture that may sound very demeaning that may sound very uh you know putting your foot on somebody or something like that, but that's not the case. What that means is you're a servant. What a deacon is, is a deacon is a servant. A deacon is the one who meets the needs within the church. Even yesterday, we were, we were out spreading pea gravel uh, in, in, the, in the preschool area, and we had some deacons out there with us. And, and that's not to say, again, when I, the reason I opened up the way I opened up is because we're all to be servants. There's not like, okay, the deacons are the ones that are to be the servants, and the rest of us can kind of just take a break. No, we're all, we're all made in the image of God. We're all to follow Jesus Christ, all right? And so we're all to be servants, but the difference is this is the deacon's appointed duty by God 
for the church. This is the deacon's appointed duty by God for the church. And as a deacon, a deacon is always on duty. There's going to be errands that pop up that that we're not scheduled, okay? There are things that pop up that are not scheduled. If, if you know, we run out of milk, <coughs> if we run out of milk at home, you know, and Carly's like, Nelson, I want you to hit up Shop and Wash and go get some milk, and I'm like, listen, baby, it's not Walmart day. So, so we're not going to do this. This isn't going to happen. You know, that's silly. Of course, as, as the need arises, as the situation demands, we respond. And so this is the role of the deacon. It is to be a servant. It is a position of humility, uh, and, and so uh, there are three uh, different ways that the deacon is a servant of the church. First off, the deacon is a servant of property needs. Okay? Property needs. Let's say, or, or let's just take an example from a year ago, or a little over a year ago. That we were having some heavy rains last year, and the dungeon wasn't holding water too good, and it flooded. All of downstairs flooded. And next thing I know, the deacons and, and some others have gathered downstairs and are sucking that stuff up and, and taking care of that. That is, that is call, being on call for a property need. Okay? Uh, this also includes people needs. Our deacons are to be servants to those who are hurting. People, our deacons are going to be servants to those who need help, need a just a, a helping hand to go visit the hospital, go visit the nursing home, go visit the shut-in, that, that sort of thing. Uh, the deacon also needs to help out with spiritual needs. This is the deacon needs to be praying for his families. We do a, a, a deacon prayer or family uh, ministry, and so each of you has a deacon. If you're a, if you're a member here, each of you has a deacon who is assigned to your family. Well, that deacon ought to be praying for your family. Moreover, he needs to be prepared to minister to you. As a, as a spiritually mature Christian, he needs to be prepared to encourage you through the scriptures and, and even beyond that to go above and beyond and share the gospel. Uh, and, and, and so this is what our deacons need to be. So, so as today, when we come to the end of our service and you get a ballot and, and we begin to fill that thing out, and uh, as, you, as you're selecting your deacons, select those who have shown a willingness to serve and are spiritually mature and prepared enough to help meet the spiritual needs of the church, all right? See, it's a, it's a position of humility, but it goes beyond that as well. It goes beyond just this idea of serving and, and, and being a position of humility. See, in the New Testament time, uh, many Jews worked for the Roman elite. Many Jews worked for the very, very uh, wealthy. And those who, were the, those who waited on tables were considered slaves, they were, they were a notch above the lowest rung of society because they at least had some sort of income and they were cared for by their masters. But it was not a position of authority. It was not a position of authority. And see, in many churches, especially in our denomination, the deacon is a position of authority. If the deacons say so, it goes. But this is a business position and not a biblical position. Kind of like the Pharisees. <clears throat> they added oral law onto the Mosaic law. They, they, they took what God said, and what God said was good, what God said was right, and then they added their own little thing to it. They added a little bit over here, and they added a little bit over there. So all of a sudden, they had extra rules, they had extra laws, they had man-created things in their sinfulness and in their desire for power. But Jesus responded to that. Jesus was not okay with that. Jesus said in Mark 7, 8, and 9, 
you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. So we must not add to the word of God. Deacon is a position of service, not authority. And so when you select your deacons today, do not select those who are in it for power. Do not select those who are in it for position, because biblically there is no power. Biblically there is none. Those who seek it are in sin. But select those who willingly serve without the desire for control. And so what we have here is, is this first point that the deacon is a position of humility. Secondly, the deacon is a position of leadership. <coughs> we can see this because there was a special election for these men. During this, this situation with, between the, the Hellenistic Jews and the, uh, and the Grecian Jews, or uh, I think I messed that up. But anyways, <laughs> the, what's, what's going on here, there's, there's a struggle. And so they say, why don't you pick it out? Brothers, we're going to select some men, okay? And so what we have here is, is these were specially called out leaders. Now, this is kind of a strange position in our culture. In our culture, this is kind of a strange position because there's some things that just don't seem to work together. Right, we're in we're in our culture, and we we, we have this dichotomy. At least we we've set up this dichotomy of science and faith. Right, these things when we our culture tells us doesn't work together. We we have this dichotomy of business and beliefs. We're supposed to leave these things apart from each other. We have this dichotomy of personal and professional. Well, one other dichotomy that's been set in our minds by our culture is servant and leader. That we can't have this combination. You can't be both the servant and the leader. But this, according to Scripture, is a false dichotomy. Some of the greatest leaders in all of our American history, not let alone world history, were servant leaders. I read a story about uh, the American Revolution. That a civilian was passing by a battalion that was was, was repairing a defense barrier. And they were out there working, and they were sweating, and they were tired. And there was, uh, there was their commander, or corporal. And he was, he was up on his horse, and he was barking out orders at him, Do this, do this, do this, fix it, fix it. And so this, this guy, as he's passing by, he looks at him, and he says, uh, You know, why aren't you out there helping him? And, and of course, in his pride, the, the corporal stops, and he says, I, sir, am a corporal. So the man said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he, he got off of his horse, and he went and he helped the soldiers. After, after they were done, <coughs> he was leaving, and he, he, he spoke to the corporal. And he said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief, and I will come and help you again. It was none other than our first president, George Washington. And so what we have here is a picture of, of servant leadership. We lead through humble service. And obviously, the greatest example of this is who? Jesus. Jesus is our example of humble, uh, humble servant leadership. Think about this. Think about how good of a leader Jesus was. Jesus was followed by all kinds of people, but really he had these 12 guys, right? He had these 12 guys who were, who were his close, closest people, and then he had these three other guys who were like really close within, within the 12, and he stuck around with these guys for three years, and leading these guys, and showing these guys what to do, and just how, how to, to be a Christian, and how to walk the Christian walk. 
And now, half the world claims to be followers of Jesus Christ. What kind of leader do you have to be (laughs) that 2,000 years ago, you took 12 guys for three years, and now half the world follows you? And this is what we see. Jesus is this humble uh, servant leader. And we are to be like Jesus. Mark 10.45 tells us about Jesus. He says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what we see is that deacons lead through loving service they provide. So when you select your deacons this morning, choose men who are more than simply willing to serve out of obligation, but those who have shown they are willing to serve joyfully and out of love for Jesus Christ and for their neighbor. So what we have here is a position of humility. What we have here is a position of servant leadership. Then we get to the third part, a position of honor. The deacon position within the church is a position of honor. Now, now we're kind of like, oh yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Get, to, get, get me to the honor part. But the problem is, it's not honor as we view honor. See, Jesus has set up a kingdom paradox for us. In Mark 9.35, he says, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of if you want to be first, you've got to be last, and you have to serve. If you want to be honored, if you want to be elevated, you put yourself low, you put yourself down, and you serve others. Proverbs 18.12, Solomon excuse me, says, Humility comes before honor. And this is what we see in Jesus. After washing the disciples' feet in John 13, Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So in humility, there is honor. In service, there is spiritual promotion. And this is why deacons are regarded highly in church life. It is not because of power, but it's because of honor. And for this reason... Being a deacon is not for everybody. Being a deacon is not for everybody. Okay? Uh, and, and so, if, if that's kind of in your mind, that the deacon kind of thing is next up on the list, that, that's not it. It's not for everybody. It, it is an elected position. <coughs> it's a position that the people being served choose to be their servants. Uh, I mean, I think if, if, if we're honest with ourselves, in many churches, uh, that, that there's basically two, the two M's of being a deacon. That you're a member and that you're a man. If, if you can fall under those qualifications, then you can be a deacon. But rather, our qualifications should be based on Scripture. They should be biblical qualifications. And so when we look at our passage right here, what we see is some biblical qualifications. Look at, look at verse 3. It says, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Okay? Now, I want to start off by saying, I don't know why the NIV does this, but it leaves out a chunk there. It's in the Greek, I checked, uh, and it's in the KJV, and it's in the uh, New American Standard, but it, it is not in the NIV, and I don't understand why. But... <coughs> But the first thing that that scripture tells us about the deacon is that the deacon is to be a man of honest report. This report, excuse me, that's in the King James Version. In the New American Standard, it says a man of good reputation. And so what we have here is someone the people trust. The deacon must be someone the people trust, all right? It's someone with genuine character. Not a life of hypocrisy one way at church and another way at home or, or another way at work. Matthew Henry talks about it this way. Men, it, uh, this deacon is to be men 
free from scandal, that were looked upon by their neighbors as men of integrity and faithful men, well attested as men that might be trusted not under a blemish for any vice, but on the contrary, well spoken of for everything that is virtuous and praiseworthy. And it's no coincidence about the seven names that are listed here in in verse 5. It says, This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch. All right? And so we have these, these names, and what we see is that every one of these names are Greek names. Every one of the, the seven people, seven guys listed there are Greek names. Now, where did the problem come from? The Grecian Jews. The widows among the Grecian Jews. So what happened is they elected those who they thought would represent their interests fairly. And so when you select your deacons today, choose someone who has a good reputation in and out of the church. Someone who you consider to be someone of honesty, of good rapport. Someone the community wouldn't look at and be shocked to hear that they were in a position of leadership. If, that, if that's the case, if someone is in a position of leadership and the community hears about it and they're like, wow, how did that happen? This person should not be a deacon. This person has disqualified themselves from being a deacon. We go back to verse 3. It says that the deacon should be a man full of the Spirit. The idea here is that it's a man who lives a godly life. <coughs> and so what, what does that mean? What does it mean to live a godly life? Life. Well, Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit. The Spirit is God, so we're living a godly life here. So I say, live by the Spirit, and here's, here's what this looks like, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So as we live for God, God pulls us away from that sinful nature. And th- obviously, this is a difficult thing to judge. Obviously, this is a difficult thing to pinpoint and say, this is, you know, this deacon or this person is not living uh, according to God's word, and this one is. Sometimes this is very difficult, and there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. First off, there's the survey factor. Anybody who's ever taken a phone survey, you know this. They start asking you questions, and those questions are things that you may not do, but you want to sound good, and so you start telling them how good things are, even if you might not really be good. In fact, uh, uh, professional surveyors include this into their final statistics because they know that there's a tendency to elevate ourselves more than we really are. And so we have that within the church, too. When we are uh, put to the test, when we are put to uh, just questioning about, about who we are and where we stand and all that kinds of things, we have a tendency to elevate ourselves a little bit. We have a tendency to raise ourselves up. So there's a difficulty there. Another difficulty is that there are no quantitative results, or there are very few quantitative results. People's lives are not like the back of a baseball card. Well, this year he led three people to Christ. He read his Bible two-thirds of the time, but he didn't fast any. Now, there's none of that stuff. We must look at quality instead. Because we can't look at quantity, we must look at that individual and look at quality. And God gives us a standard. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this is, this is the standard that God sets for deacons before they become deacons. This is in order for you to become a deacon. This is the standard that is set. 1 Timothy chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me. Verses 8 through 12. So here we go. Verse 8. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of 
respect. So we start right there. The first qualification that God says is the deacon is to be a respectable person. Someone that people look up to and not down at. All right? Secondly, uh, sincere. Okay? The deacon is to be sincere. That is genuine. The deacon is to be a genuine person. We just talked about this. Kind of a hypocrisy factor. Who are you at church? Who are you when you're away? Who are you just in general? Are you a genuine person? Are you the same person here, there, and everywhere? All right. Next. says, not indulging in much wine. Now, what we do here is what we, we, we throw out either complete conservative uh, nature here and say you can't drink at all. <laughs> that's, that's one side of, of the way of looking at it. Or, <clears throat> or we just say you can't be a drunk. We say this one side, you can't drink at all. And on this other side, we say you can't be a drunk. But if we go back in Scripture and find where, where the Scriptures teach us that we're not to be drunk, what, what's the purpose behind it? Why does it say, don't get drunk on wine in the Scriptures? It says, in order that you may be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It is in order that you do not lose your senses. uh, And when you lose your senses, uh, you lose the ability to be controlled by God. You, you, you toss that to the side when you get drunk. So I think very easily and very conservatively, we could add on here drug abuse, right? We could throw drugs on here and no one would throw a, no one would throw a temper tantrum. We would say, don't get drunk on wine, but also don't use drugs. And everybody would say, amen. But I would add to this a temper tantrum. If, you, if, you are, if someone is such a person that they catch a, such a rage that they lose all control over their senses then it's the same sort of application. Okay? And so, so we have this, this thing going on here as well. Let's keep on reading. It says, uh, and not pursuing dishonest gain. We need to find someone who is honest in business. Someone who is honest and faithful with their finances. Uh, keep on going. They must keep hold of the deep truths of faith with a clear conscience. So we find someone who is spiritually mature and repentant of their sins. A clear conscience. Okay, we're all going to mess up. We all recognize that. But we repent. We turn back. We have a clear conscience. Okay? Keep on going. <coughs> uh, I lost my spot. Oh, verse 10. They must be... They, they, ah, excuse me. They must first be tested. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. And this is something that is important too. That we take these qualifications and we run our deacons through these qualifications. And there's a couple more that come after this. That, that we run our deacons through these qualifications in order for them to serve as deacons. We move on just a little bit. And it says, uh, In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So what we have here is that wives are people that we look up at and not down at. Remember, they are to be respected and people who have control over their tongues. These women, uh, the wives of our deacons need to be women who have control over their tongues. That is, they are not slanderers and they are not gossips. They do not cut down and tear down because they happen to be in on some information that may not be privy for everybody because, they, because they're married to a deacon. And also, they are not to gossip because they have some information that they might be privy to because they're married to a deacon. We move on a little bit more. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. And so what we have here is the call that... Deacons cannot be divorced for unbiblical reasons, and they must live in a well-managed home. They must manage their home well. 
And this is a problem. And what I mean by this is that, is that a lot of churches completely disregard this. A lot of churches just fall back on the two M's, member and man, and they, they disregard this. I've, I, I know a church that elected a man completely unfit for the position. He put his name out there. He wanted to be a part of it. His, his life had no reflection of, of this kind of thing. He was a good guy. He was a fun guy. But he was not a reflection of what the deacon is, is supposed to be according to these qualifications. And he never made the first deacon's meeting. He never even showed up. And then there's another guy who, who became a deacon after becoming a new believer. He became a new believer and then he, got, he was put in deacon's meetings and started to hear some of the inner workings of the church and some of the, the more difficult decisions that have to be made within the church. And he retreated. He left completely. He didn't just leave the diaconate. He left the church. See, when we select our deacons this morning, we need to choose someone who we consider godly. Someone who we consider spiritually mature. And then finally, we get to this last qualification in, in chapter 6, verse 3, full of wisdom. Look for the best possible ends by the best possible means. That's what, that's what wisdom is, is looking for the best possible ends by the best possible means, and then doing something about it. <laughs> if, if, you just, if you have the knowledge, but you don't do anything with it, that's not wisdom. That's, that's maybe knowledge and, and laziness. I don't know, but, but you have to get involved in accomplishing it as well. Matthew Henry says, It was not enough that they were honest, good men, but they must be discreet, judicious men, that could not be imposed upon and would order things for the best and with consideration. And what are they considering? First, the kingdom of God. How do these decisions, how does, how does uh, my life, how does this, this uh, office within this church uh, reflect and advance the kingdom of God? The second consideration is others. I look at God first, I look at Jesus first, I'm following Him, and then I'm helping others. I'm helping others, and then finally, themselves. It's God, others, self. And when we select our deacons this morning, let's choose someone who displays an ability to look beyond the momentary issue and to look at the bigger picture. And choose someone who bases their wisdom not just on one of Grandpa's old colloquialisms, but on God's Word. And so the deacon is a position of humility. It's a position of servant leadership. It is a position of honor. And finally, it is a position of health. Verse 7 says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. First word in verse 7 is so. That is, as a result of the, of the way that they ordered things, as a result of the deacons being placed properly according to their biblical role, the bickering stopped. The two groups that were fighting with each other, the bickering stopped and unity occurred and the church grew. See, service leads to a healthy church. Describing the reason for certain spiritual gifts, this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. He says, it is to prepare God's people for works of service. And why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. The Christ, body of Christ is built up as we serve. So service leads to a healthy church, but also service leads to a healthy, personal, spiritual life. 1 Timothy 3.13 Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. During World War II, <coughs> uh, England desperately needed to increase 
their coal production. And so Winston Churchill went and gave a speech to, to those who would, who would be working in the coal mines. And he said, I want you to picture a parade. After the war is over, after we have won, I want you to picture a parade in your mind. He said, the first people who, who will walk in the parade will be the sailors. Because the sailors uh, kept the sea lanes open for us. The next people will be the infantry. And because of all, all the bloodshed and all the fighting that went on on their watch. He said the next, the next group will be the pilots who had, who had driven the Luftwaffe from the sky. And then last of all will be the miners. Sweat stained and soot stricken. Someone from the crowd will scream out, And where were you during the critical days of our struggle? The story goes, from 10,000 throats would come the answer. We were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. Listen, I'd like to thank our current deacons. And I know once a deacon, always a deacon kind of thing. But those who are currently serving in the role of deacon, active deacon right now, I'd like to thank you for your service, and I'd like to challenge you as well to continue to, to live a life or strive to live a life that, is, that meets the qualifications that God has set before us. But church, as we elect our new deacons this morning as a position of servant leadership, let us consider those who will serve with their faces to the cult. They don't have to be paraded around. They don't have to be lifted up. They will serve with their faces to the coal. Let's look beyond who is popular. Let's look beyond maybe the norm. And look for who is biblically qualified. We're going to pray, but we're going to do it a little bit differently this morning. We're not going to have an official uh, altar call. uh, Because this, this message lends us to respond in a different way. And it lends us to respond by going out and doing what the scripture says thinking about uh, these things these qualifications that God has set forward and then applying them to our own situation and so I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray that God in his providence and in his sovereignty would set forth the men that that would be drawn out to be the deacons for uh, this upcoming three year cycle but in your heart you be you be praying you be preparing uh, to to select the men that God lays on your heart in order to do that. Alright, so let's, let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we love you. And God, I, I just ask right now, uh, what, what I just said, Lord, in your sovereignty, God, that you would uh, bring forth the men who uh, will serve you, that you would uh, bring forth the men who would, who would devote themselves to the service of this church for your glory. God, that you would, uh, you would help them to recognize the, the truth of the position that it is a position of humility, uh, God, that it is a position of leadership, but servant leadership, Father. God, that, that, that you, have, you have drawn these men out to be honored, but honored because they have made themselves the least among all men, God. Lord, that these would be men who put their face to the coal to get the job done and don't expect any reward or anything special out of it in the end, uh, except to know that they served you faithfully. God, I pray that you would draw these men out. God, you would bring them forward. And Lord, that they would serve you faithfully over these next couple years. Lord, we trust you in this time. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.